Welcome to the Minister's Ordinary Conversation, a podcast dedicated to equipping and encouraging pastors to be radically ordinary theologians for the good of their churches and the glory of God. My name is Jeremy Jessen, and I am your host. Today, we're covering a topic familiar to most pastors, especially those dealing with criticism in one way or another, or maybe those thinking about leaving the ministry, uh, as we've talked about in previous episodes, and that's the topic of anger. The reason for the topic today is my own reading in the Old Testament. As I was reading through the Pentateuch, I noticed Moses in particular um, appearing to be a pretty angry guy at times. Uh, In Exodus 32, where he sees the Israelites worshiping around the golden calf, he throws the Ten Commandments to the ground and shatters them. In Numbers 11, he's displeased, it says, and he asks God to kill him rather than to make him continue to lead the people. In Numbers 16, Moses was very angry, the text tells us, and told the Lord not to respect an offering from the people. And most notably in Numbers 20, when God told Moses to speak to the rock in order to give people water, Moses struck the rock instead, calling the people rebels. Now, so Moses has different moments when he um, vents his anger, it would seem, and yet the Lord um, is kind to Moses and honors Moses in many different areas. In Exodus 33, we hear that God announces the way that he speaks to Moses as one does with a friend face to face. In Numbers 12, Moses is described as, quote, more meek than anyone on the face of the earth, end quote. And God, in fact, told Aaron and Miriam that he spoke to Moses face to face or um, in in a way that he says no one else uh, gets to speak to God. Moses gets to speak to God in that way. And so it's interesting to see the way that God speaks about Moses. And at the same time, there are these displays of anger in Moses. And I think we need balance here. Um, I'm certainly thankful for the Mars Hill podcast and the work Mike, Mike Cosper and his team did to shed light on that situation. However, one concern I have is that there will be a pendulum swing in the opposite direction. That is, we'll become so attentive to any display of passion in the pulpit or elsewhere um, and label everything abusive then. So uh, at the same time, however, I, I think the Mars Hill podcast did bring some things to light that some pastoral behaviors are not okay, um, and there may be certain um actions, certain behaviors, and certain, uh, you know, just patterns of sinfulness that need to be brought to light and confessed and worked through. And so I think it's important to see anger for what it is biblically, and then look at what it means to deal with that as leaders of God's people. So let's first define anger, and then walk through what it looks like um, to address that anger itself. So I'm, I'm using as my guide here the book Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones, who is an associate professor of biblical counseling at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I will link to that book in the show notes. It's a great resource. Uh, but he defines it this way. He says, anger is our whole personed 
active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. So let's break down that definition. He says, anger is our whole person active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. So it's a whole person response. It involves our entire being, engages the whole person. Um, We can, in some circles, hear anger described as merely an emotion. It doesn't involve any other part of me. It's just something that happened, and I'm not really responsible because it's an emotion over which I have no control. Now, the Bible's description of anger includes emotions, certainly, but it always includes belief and motive, perception, desire, all of those elements. Scripture doesn't allow uh, us to slice anger up neatly into um, a category that doesn't or that might you know, absolve us of responsibility. So it's a whole person response. It's an active response. It's an action. It's not something that we have. It's something that we do. Uh, it describes Scripture describes anger in terms of action, not in terms of something outside of ourselves. It's a whole person active response against something. So um, it it doesn't occur on its own. There's something. There's a stimulus. There's a um, a provocation that causes anger. He made me angry. She made me angry. I was just so angry because of this situation. Whatever. So it's a response. It's a negative moral judgment that brings that response about. We we um, exercise an oversight. Uh, Jones in his book, he says, we exercise a judicial oversight of a situation and deem it to be unfair. And so we slam our fist to the table in anger because this should not be, I should not be treated this way or whatever. So it's a negative moral judgment that brings this response against a perceived evil. So moral judgment usually arises out of an injustice. We think some something has been Uh, Something has happened that should not have happened. We feel like it's unfair or unwarranted or unnecessary. And so we come at these moments with um, a a whole person active response. Now, are there moments when this whole person active response is good? Are there is there such a thing as righteous anger? And um, Dr. Jones, in his book, explains what righteous anger looks like biblically. First, he says, righteous anger reacts against actual sin. He says it arises from an accurate perception of true evil from sin as defined biblically. So it's a violation of God's word or um, failure to obey the commands of God, as the catechism teaches us. So righteous anger doesn't result from being inconvenienced, being frustrated, being irritated for people not following our leadership in the way that we think they should. That's not righteous anger. That's just anger. (laughs) So, so that's the first thing. Righteous anger reacts against actual sin. Number two, righteous anger, he says, focuses on God and his kingdom, God's rights and God's concerns. Righteous anger focuses on how people have offended God and his name, not us and our name. It focuses on the glory of God, not our own glory. It focuses on the the benevolence of God, not the ways that we have been benevolent and therefore should see some sort of reward. And third, finally, he says, righteous anger expresses itself in godly ways. That means it remains self-controlled. It keeps its head 
he says, without cursing, screaming, raging, or flying off the handle. He doesn't spiral downward into self-pity or despair, he notes. So, um, thirdly, that righteous anger expresses itself in godly ways is an interesting shift when we look at anger in Scripture and we look at Moses' anger in particular. It appears that many of Moses' angry outbursts weren't actually righteous indignation. Now, that's an argument that some commentators will make, especially when Moses throws down the Ten Commandments. When he throws down the Ten Commandments, there's an argument made that Moses is just displaying God's anger for him, um, which I find uh, problematic on several you know, levels there. One, that God would need Moses to show the people how irritated he was or how angry he was about this event. I don't think uh, God needs Moses's assistance in that way. Um, But also, um, Moses's actions don't um, reflect the character of God in that sense, as, as much as it looks like Moses is just kind of throwing a fit at that point. It, it, it appears that Moses's angry outbursts in many places aren't righteous. And not only at the Ten Commandments when he throws them down, but also, obviously, the Numbers account in Numbers 20 when he is told to speak to the rock and he strikes it in anger. And when he does this, the response of the Lord is to forbid him from entering the promised land. Moses gets to look into the promised land and then he's taken uh, uh, from this earth. He doesn't He doesn't get to enter the promised land because of this action. And God's response to Moses is that he didn't honor him as holy in the eyes of the people. He doesn't show God's character in that sense Um, and God's devotion to his own glory and his own honor. And Moses is offended and angry that these people are complaining and complaining and complaining. And he strikes the rock in anger. And then he doesn't enter the promised land because of that behavior. So many of Moses's angry outbursts weren't actually righteous. And yet we also notice that there's mercy from the hand of God there for God to call him this one who is more meek than any on the face of the earth to to speak with Moses as one does to a friend, um, to show Moses his glory in ways that no one else got to see God in that sense is also a, a merciful thing to see the character of God, that it's not just the people with whom God is patient, but the leader of the people uh, requires the patience of the Lord as well. What a, what a mercy that is. So if Moses's outbursts aren't always righteous, it's safe to say that our angry outbursts in the course of our ministry probably aren't always righteous either. It's probably safe to say that. Well, then what do I do about that? If I see, if anger is an issue that you struggle with, what what should we do about that? Well, Dr. Stuart Scott, a former uh, biblical counseling professor here at Southern, gives um, six ways that we can address our anger. And I, uh, I put these resources together just because I think it's appropriate and it's helpful for us to look squarely at these issues and have a strategy in our mind for how we're going to address these things when they come up, if they come up. It certainly seems like anger is coming up more and more in our culture when it comes to uh, just the way that we're all interacting with one another. So 
uh, it's important for us to at least have a handle on what this looks like for us and the way that we behave. So how can I address anger? Number one, Dr. Scott says, confess past sins of anger to God and others. Confess past sins of anger to God and others. And he quotes there from Matthew 5, 23 and 24, saying, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So confess past sins of anger to God. And if you have been angry with a fellow brother or sister in Christ, confess that sin uh, in that sense. Number two, he says, pray for God's help. Second Corinthians nine, eight, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the grace of God is there for us. Ask God for his help, for his grace, as you seek to put anger aside and to respond to situations that may cause anger in a kind-hearted, God-glorifying way. Number three, memorize appropriate verses. Memorize appropriate verses. So think here like Ephesians 4.23 um, or Colossians 3, where we're, we're putting off these outbursts of anger and putting on patience and meekness and kindness. So memorize those those verses. Then number four, study God's patience and long suffering. Think of Psalm 145 verse eight. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's He's abounding in his covenant faithfulness to his people. He's slow to anger. Let's think about the character of God and emulate the character of God in our temptations to be angry. Number five, ask others to hold you accountable for your anger. Galatians 6, brothers, if any, if any one of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So helpful to have a brother or sister in Christ to come alongside you and remind you of these things. So pastor, um, ask your wife to keep you accountable, to um, hold you accountable for your anger. Ask your elders to pay attention to these moments when you are angry at times that you shouldn't be. I have um, an elder in our church who was very gracious to me in this way. Um, I was preaching and no preacher uh, who has been preaching for any amount of time uh, is unfamiliar with the person at the back of the sanctuary that looks at their watch very obviously when they feel like you've gone too long, right? They stretch out the arm, bend the elbow, look down at the watch, and then look back at you as if to say, oh my word, we're all hungry. You know, it's like, why are you still going? And so I very angrily said something snotty like, you know, I know everybody's looking at their watches and stuff, but uh, I'll be done in a second. Just let's just bear with me here. Just really snotty. And um, one of my elders came up to me afterward and said, 
you know, don't ever do that again. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you know, you spend this time building all of this material together in this message. And then you say something snotty like that to the guy who's looking at his watch. He goes, by the way, how many people were looking at their watches? I said, it was just one guy. He goes, yeah, it's just one guy. <laughs> like, you're so angry and it's just one guy. Why would you get angry about that? Don't do that again. Because everything that you built just shattered like glass when you behave that way. Don't do that again. Just keep preaching and the guy's going to look at his watch and nobody else cared about it. And you could have just gone on. That's just a wise piece of advice. So it's good to have a brother come alongside you and say, hey, that's unnecessary. Don't do that. That's sinful. Don't do that. So ask others to hold you accountable. And then number six, don't associate with angry individuals. Don't associate with angry individuals. What does this mean? Um, if, if there are people that for, for whom anger is a habit, uh, something that they are not seeking to change, not seeking to um, improve or see sanctification in, in their life, it, 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 being around someone like that will only further that sin in you. It's, it's Proverbs thirteen twenty, right? The, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Or Proverbs twenty two twenty four: make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. And it's just, it's not a wise way to carry yourself. Um, and if, if you want to put anger aside, don't, don't, you know, spend time being influenced by someone who has no intention to put anger aside. So when we look at the life of Moses and we look at our own lives, we can see these, these outbursts of anger. It doesn't mean that when we sin that the Lord doesn't then use us. As we see in all these passages, Moses was honored by God, loved by God, cared for by God, and was very effectively used by God. But Moses also experienced discipline from God for his anger and wasn't allowed to, in fact, enter the promised land. So it, it's an important thing for us to notice anger in Scripture and notice what it means for us to put that anger aside. So these two resources, um, I, I, these two helps here, I think, are beneficial. I'll list a few more in the show notes. Just put some um, more biographical uh, info in, in the show notes for you to use resources there that can help put anger aside. It's a very important thing to fight, and I think it's worth it. That fight is worth it to effectively lead people, and um, I pray that that this has been a helpful um, entrance maybe into that topic for you. So thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can go to my website at jeremyjessen.com and contact me or comment on the episode page for this conversation. More updates are coming to the website, new articles, um, special book review episodes like the one that we uh, released earlier um, or uh, actually Friday of last week on Joel Beakey's book on the, the, the pastor's critics. Um, so uh, more, more book reviews coming. So stay tuned. And uh, I look forward to our next Ordinary Conversation.